0: Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org. Happy Thanksgiving. What a great time of the year. Eat too much. See our family too much. Or too little. I'm just really thankful... uh, so many things in my life, but one of the things I'm thankful for is my wife, and the reason why I say that is because I was listening to that song about there's power to break every chain, and as, as I was just sitting there before I stepped up here, there's Cassie sitting here, and she's on the left is Jenna, her daughter who's back, and on the right's me, and I'm just thinking to herself, that song must just really speak to Cassie, just to be able to say that the things that have been broken off her life, things that have been broken off her daughter's life and in my life, and just to be able to Worship the Lord freely. I love that song. I told Jason, can you please play that song? Please? Pretty please? Because it's just so true. And, I, and I'm thankful for uh, just the blood of Christ. If you have to ask me one thing that I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving, this Christmas season. I got hundreds of them. But I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for the name of Jesus. That song does not, it's not false in any way. It's got power. It's the name of Jesus. I think I've preached that before. If you are in a pit and you can only have one finger to point to the sky, just point it there and yell, Jesus, and he'll be there for you. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. I'm also thankful because of the blood of Christ and what he's done for us and where he now resides. I'm thankful for fullness of joy. Ah, man, I have fullness of joy. If you're around with me 24 hours a day, you might not think all the time. I'm just talking about myself. I know everybody else out here is full of joy all the time, 24-7. But just because my situation, my circumstances, my attitude gets sour doesn't mean that I am not full of joy. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have fullness of joy. There's five things that I've been really studying lately about Jesus. And the question that keeps popping my head, and I, and I mentioned this to Pastor Jason the day, is what side of the cross are you living on? Think about that for a minute. Because we come to the cross and it's beautiful and it represents so much. But that's just one aspect of the life of Christ. He went to the cross and he died. And then from there he was taken into a tomb. What happened to Jesus when he was in a tomb? We're going to learn a little bit about that today. And then from the tomb, he steps out and he bursts forth. He's resurrected. And then he ascends into heaven. And then when he's in heaven, he promises, promises us the Holy Spirit and sends us the Holy Spirit. So as glorious and awesome is that cross, there's so much more. As we go to the cross and we go through the cross and we live in glory. We live in the kingdom here on earth. So Jesus' death he's crucified. His burial. We'll talk a little bit about that. Where did Jesus spend his days before he was resurrected? Anyone ever studied that? Everybody read some of the scriptures about the power of what Jesus did before he came back to earth after those three days? How about his resurrection? We talk about that quite a bit at Easter. It's an awesome thing. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I have a ton of scriptures on that blue sheet that is in the bulletin. So you take it home, and I, and I encourage you to study that thing because it's so awesome. 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I wrote this one out in the Living Bible. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Get this. This is the most important part to me right now. Then, in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. There's an exchange there. I grew up in Canada. I went to school in the U.S. I now live here. I know what the exchange rate is. Back in the 80s, we got about 60 cents on the dollar when we took our Canadian money and we put it into American money. So if it cost me $10,000 to go to college, it actually cost my parents $16,000. The exchange rate was terrible. The exchange rate, because your relationship with Christ, is amazing. amazing. So get a picture of just, just not a changed life, your life with Christ. Get the picture, get the vision of an exchanged life. It says that he poured, we poured our sins onto him. Everything that you can think of right now. Everything that's been holding you down. Everything that's been dragging you down. Everything that's been bothering you and bugging you and, and keeping you what you think is keeping you from perfection. Jesus took those at that cross. And he didn't just leave us high and dry and says, all right, that's good enough. He exchanged it for his goodness, for his righteousness. He poured that back into us. We poured ourselves out. We're empty. He pours us back in his righteousness, his glory, his majesty, and he fills us back up. That's what Pastor Jim always talks about when he talks about Holy Spirit come. Be filled with that Holy Spirit. He's always talking about he's here but we want more fill us up overflow us keep us going and that exchange life you hear a lot about in the word of god is redemption what does redemption mean you take your cans back to high v today you're going to get some money they're just not worthless things you redeem them for something and that's what jesus did he redeemed our worthless life of dirt and shame like if you leave your pop cans in the garage for 6 months they're nasty that's us. But we redeem ourselves for something beautiful, something perfect. That's redemption. I can never say it enough. It says in Second Corinthians 5.17 that old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. That's your spirit. That's you. You're brand new. Second Corinthians 5.21 says this in the King James Version. For he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's an exchange. I like what it says in the Amplified. For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, that in and through him, we might become endued with, viewed as being, and examples of righteousness of God. When you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror, did you say to yourself, oh, there you are, old righteousness of God. You should, especially after two or three days of eating turkey and pumpkin pie. You're like, ugh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? But that's who you are. That's endued on the inside of you. That's his power. He's planted on the inside of you, his goodness. That's it. it goes on to say in that scripture that we, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him. Comma, by his goodness. Nothing to do with you or me. It's all by his goodness that we have this relationship with him that is perfect. Galatians 3.13 says this in the Amplified. I'm using the Amplified quite a bit today. Christ purchased, purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and, and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. Everything that you has been spoken over you That's been preached into your life about this is who you are. This is the family you come from. You're no good. Your family's been no good. So therefore, you'll be no good. You have this family curse that's attached to you. Galatians 3.13 blows that right out of the water. He was made a curse for you when he was hung on that, that cross, hung on that tree. That's what it says. And Jesus paid a high price. I believe that was one of the lyrics we sang today. A high price. It's a free gift, but a high price was paid for you and, me, you and me. And this all began on the cross. Jesus became our substitute. Mr. Godfrey's here. He's a teacher. He decides he's going to go hunting for the week, or he doesn't feel very good, one of the two. And he takes the day off of work. The kids just don't run amuck in the class, do they, Mr. Godfrey? You have a substitute come in. It's kind of like Mr. Godfrey. Probably not as cool. But he has a substitute. And that's what Jesus was for us. He became our substitute for sin. Took it. He took over. It's no longer I. God has always made a way out. Think about that. You read scripture, go back and look about God always making a way out. He made a way out for us through the cross of Christ, through Jesus' death and the burial, his resurrection... Baptism in the Holy Spirit. He made a way for us through this all. But if you look in the, in the Old Testament, you'll see examples of Saviors. You'll see examples of substitutes. I like it in Genesis twenty two thirteen, 13. Isaac is laid on the altar, and Abraham has his hands in the air. And lo and behold, there's a ram in the thicket, a substitute, the perfect sacrifice. At that time. How about Numbers 21? There's snakes all around. And and he says, "Well, whoever looks will put this snake on a pole. And whoever looks to the snake on the pole will be saved. Will be healed. A substitute. Always a way out that God has made for you and for me. We just now have it perfect. We have the perfect way out now. They had an imperfect way out there all the time that they strived for. And because of our relationship with Father God through Jesus Christ, we have a perfect Savior, a perfect Holy Spirit. And you have a perfect spirit on the inside. Matthew eight seventeen says this in the Amplified. So that he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities. It says upon himself. And then I love this. And carried away our diseases. You're healed in Jesus' name. That's what it says. Praise God. You're right. Thank you. He bore, that we, he bore what we deserve to bear. He not only took our place, but he took our condition. If you're angry, you're bitter, you're mean, he took that away from you. That's not who you are in the spirit. And he died our death for us. And in that death, he took away sickness and disease, shame, guilt. Depression, and he just took onto his body. That's why he was so beat up on the cross. Not so much that he was beat with whips, which was a great beating, but you just think of the sins of all the world, past, present, and future, heaped on Jesus. What he looked like, unrecognizable. First seen the Passion of the Christ? Pretty brutal. Mel Gibson did a nice job. But what, what Jesus looked like on the cross was nothing compared to what he really looked like. So we were made right with him. So, there, so here is where many of us get lost, I think. We, we, we get lost at the cross. And what I mean by that, don't, take, don't get me wrong here, is we see Jesus as died, which is great. I grew up in a church that everything in our church, Jesus was still on the cross. Jesus was still dead in the church. That's what he looked like. And I, for a lot of years, I became a Christian when I was in my mid-30s. That's the vision I had of Christ. And then I learned more and more that he came off the cross. He went into the tomb. When he was in the tomb, he did some amazing things. We'll talk about here in a minute. And then he res- resurrected. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to live to, to, to baptize me so I could live with this ultimate power. That's a little different than what I grew up with. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And it's all in there. All these great things about the word and what Jesus did for us is in there. He exchanged my old life, my old problems, my old situation for something new. So that's the revelation we, that we've been made right through Jesus. And when we get that revelation that we've been made right through Christ, it's going to produce amazing results in our lives. It has to. Get that revelation of what he did. You get a changed attitude. Think about that. How many, anybody ever say to you, like my dad used to say, you need an attitude adjustment? No one? Just me? Man, I got a lot of problems compared to everybody else here today. You need an attitude adjustment. Well, Jesus will give you an attitude adjustment. He'll give you a good attitude adjustment. Everybody needs an attitude adjustment. And what's nice about Christ is he'll keep giving you one every single day. He'll change your attitude on everything. Write your tithe check, and you, you give it to the church. And the next morning, you go to drive your car, and it doesn't start. And it's a couple hundred bucks to fix it. What's your attitude? I'm thankful, Father God, that you provide all my needs according to your riches. There's an attitude change. Galatians 2.20 says, we live by faith in the Son of God. I told a story about Augustine, St. Augustine. It's amazing how he has a saint in front of his name. Because before St. Augustine was St. Augustine, he used to frequent prostitutes. And so he's walking down the street one day after he's had this revelation, and he's come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He's walking down this road on one side of the street, and there's a prostitute on the other side of the street. She's saying, Augustine, Augustine. And he just keeps walking. And she finally yells out, Augustine. It is I. And he stops and looks at her and says, Yes, but it is no longer I. St. Augustine, the one who used to frequent prostitutes, it is no longer I. See, if you have this bad impression of yourself, or other people have put a bad impression about who you really are, just look at that story. St. Augustine, a man who was lost because of God's amazing grace, was found. He did not see himself as he used to be. And that's a problem that many people have, myself included, when I became a Christian. As we keep seeing ourselves as that old person. Just a dirty, rotten sinner. And when I finally realized that, you know what, that's not how God sees me. Then I can move away from my practice of sin. And I can move over into, and, and live out that righteousness. That's the great exchange. Took your sin on him. And filled you with his righteousness. doesn't mean we get it perfect every day. But the perfect one living on the inside of you. Keep working towards that. It gets better. It gets better every single day. And after Jesus died. He didn't just lay in the tomb for three days. Get this. He went to work. He descended into the earth. Into hell. And Jesus stripped the enemy of his authority. In his own backyard. Read those scriptures. I got some for you here today. Colossians 2.15. And the God's Word translation says, he stripped the rulers and authorities of their power and made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his victory. Ephesians 4. Okay, <laughs> The three of us were just at a conference. She just laughed. She went, ha, ha. And, and, and the pastor that was there, Mark Hankin, he just likes to stop in the middle of a sermon and say, let's just all laugh at the devil for a minute. And everyone just starts going, ha, ha, ha. And then pretty soon it's like uncontrollable. So Jenna's here just he goes, ha, ha, ha. And so sometimes you just got to laugh at the devil. It's like I say, you, you pay your tithe, the next day your car doesn't start. You're just like, ha, 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 nice try, Satan. You're under my feet. I praise you, Father God, for all your greatness and glory. Amen. Ephesians 4, 9 through 10 says this. I love this scripture. He ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into lower parts of the earth. He who ascended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. The Bible said Satan, it said in that previous scripture, was made a public spectacle. Get this. My friend, Pastor David Sharon, likes to say it this way. He said, Jesus had a parade through downtown hell after he whipped up on the enemy in Satan's own backyard. Think about that. That's what happened. There's some amazing scriptures here. Acts 2.31, 1 Peter 4.6, Revelations 1.18. Where Jesus declared he held the keys to hell and death. Where did he get them from? Took them right out of Satan's hand. Those aren't yours. Those belong to my father. And now they belong to his children. And I'm taking back that authority. And I'm giving it to the children of God. So get this. They're throwing a party in hell. Kurt. I'm not talking to you, but I'm just looking past you. So get this. Jesus dies, right? They're throwing a party in hell, and there's all Satan and all his, all his friends there, and they're having a good old time. They're probably singing that old song, na-na-na-na, hey, na, 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 hey, hey, goodbye. You know that song? Just picture Satan doing this in, in the depths of hell, right? And so Satan's standing there, and he's talking to his buddies, and he's like, yeah. Then And he's standing there, and he's like, then there was this earthquake, and the sky went black, and the veil was torn, and... And before that, Jesus said, it's finished. We finally got him. He's done. And he's looking at his buddies. And he's like, Satan's like, he's right behind me, isn't he? And there's Jesus. He's descended into the depths of hell, took the keys of the kingdom of Satan, and ascended back to earth. Resurrected. I never really thought of that before. And I'm thinking to myself, Man, when Jesus was in a tomb, he got some stuff done for us. He got our authority back from the devil. Some of us give the devil too much credit. Way too much credit. Devil, you're, you're, you're all over me today. Sometimes it's just us. I love how Pastor Jeff says it sometimes. devil just wakes us up in the morning. Some of us, we just do the rest. Quit giving him too much credit. He's a defeated foe. He no longer has authority in your life. He's here. He's in situations. People want to say, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, because Satan is alive in people. People have never confessed Jesus Lord. He's ruling their life. I wouldn't say he's the authority on this earth anymore. I've, I believed that for a long time, that he was the God of this world. I believed that for a long time, and I gave him too much credit. God is the God of this world. Satan can be a little God in people's life with a little G, but God is the God of this world, big G. Jesus stripped Satan of his power and authority had taken from Adam, Adam, and he's wielded it for a lot of years. Think about that. Adam had it going pretty good, did he not? He had it going really well, and he decided to make a decision, bad decision. So Jesus strips the power, strips Satan of his power, and we can see that starting right with Adam. Spoke to Eve, and Adam, and Eve created the uh, had the first sin. Satan is the only god of this world. To the people who don't know the word of God, if you know what the word of God says, speak that over top of all your situations and circumstances, and into your life. Act like. The word of God is true. Pretty simple, right? I go to church. I praise and worship. I read. I go to Bible study. And then something happens in my life and I just speak chaos and calamity over my life. That's never happened to anyone at Praise Community Church, I know. But it happens out there. Think about that. If we act like the word is true, we'll speak truth in our situation. We'll speak the the word. Apparently, there's a show on TV called Naked and Afraid. I won't ask for a show of hands who have it t-voted right now. But here's the gist of the show. They take these people, and they're naked, and they drop them in the middle of nowhere, and they have to survive. It's Survivor 2.0. Okay? The reason why I'm saying that is because if you look at Genesis 3.10, it says, Adam, when God came looking for him in the cool of the night to walk with him, what does Adam say to him? I was afraid because I was naked. Shame and guilt and condemnation. That's what a lot of us Christians are doing. We've been clothed with the the robe of righteousness. We've been clothed with his majesty. We're covered in his glory. And we're going through life naked and afraid. Man, we got a big old robe on us. We've been clothed in his righteousness. So those three days when, when Jesus was in the tomb and everyone's got that stone rolled away, and they're wondering what's going on. He was down in the depths of hell. He was restoring our authority. He was clothing us with his righteousness. He got the keys to the kingdom back, but he also got our clothes back. He said, here's my, here's my glory. Here's my robe of righteousness, and I'm going to bring it back to my kids. And he puts it back on us. That's what he did. Colossians 2.15 in the Message Bible says, says it beautifully. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority. And he did that at the cross, and he marched him naked through the streets. Back in the old times, when Jesus was around him, even before that, when somebody was defeated, a king or a leader, they stripped him of everything. Every little bit they had, his family, his, his bank account, I guess, his jewels, his house, and just to make sure they wanted to knock him down a little bit. They stripped him of his clothing, and they marched him through the street. That's embarrassing. There's nothing more embarrassing than just having your hole knocked out from underneath you. But to add insult to the injury, let's strip him naked and run him through the streets. And that's what Jesus did to the enemy Satan in the depths of hell. You need to understand that you as Christians, me as Christians, we do not have to be going through life naked and afraid. We have a whole set of promises, a whole list of promises inside the Word of God that shows us our authority and what Jesus already did for us. Because we're believers, we rightfully have this opportunity to just grab hold of what He did. Read some of those scriptures. They're amazing. I I just kept reading them and reading them and going through concordance after concordance and going through every translation the Bible could think of just to get something new and awesome from them. It's amazing what Jesus did for us. It's amazing. And and I never want to sell the cross short because it's the most part of one of the most important parts of history of the Christian. But it doesn't end there for us. There's authority in what he did in his burial, in his resurrection, his ascent. And then, that baptism of the Holy Spirit that he sent forth. All because of that. As we come upon Christmas, Jesus was born so he could die for us. We see the little baby in the manger. It's pretty cute. And we sing songs and we we talk about how Jesus came to bring peace on earth. He came to bring peace between you and him again. That's the peace. Peace. There won't be peace on earth until everybody has this relationship right. And then this relationship will be just fine. We have enough non-peace inside the church and inside the walls of Mason City that we need to figure out before we settle in the Middle East or wherever we want to talk about. But it's up to us individually to allow God to bring that peace into your heart. And that's what he is. He's the Prince of Peace. And he brought peace between Father God and you. That's what he did. And the problem is, a lot of us Christians, we keep rearming Satan. I just had this thought. And Pam Roses has a box downstairs, this keep them warm box, right? You ever seen it down there? And what it does, is, you bring a coat, or you bring a hat, or you bring some pants, and you throw it in there. And somebody who's less fortunate than the rest of us gets to take them home and be warm. If they don't have something, we re-clothe them. And a lot, I think that's a lot of times us as Christians, we just, if Satan walked up here and he was naked and afraid... I think some of us would take him down to the keep morn box and say, oh, here's a coat. Here's a hat. And we'd rearm him. Does that make sense? Quit rearming the enemy. He's been stripped of his authority. And we keep speaking authority back into his life. Keep him defeated. You always look up to heaven and you say, Father God, I thank you that you're on the throne, that I have victory with you. And you look down and you say, devil, you're under my feet. And you do a tap dance on his head. That's the proper place. Victory, defeat. He's under your feet. That's a rhyme. You can write that down. Make a song out of it, Jason. So the resurrection of Christ is the single most powerful event in the history of mankind. Think about it. And it says in Romans eight eleven that same power that went into that resurrection is on the inside of you. If you're not a believer here today, you are powerless. In this world. I'm sorry to tell you. You might have wealth. You might have fortune. But if you don't have Jesus on the inside of you. You are powerless. You're sputtering. Eventually you're going to run out of gas. And you're going to be pull over to the side of the road. And you're going to be stuck there. I encourage you. To make Jesus the Lord of your life. And tap in. To that awesome power source. Tap in to the resurrection power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can be yours. Isn't that amazing? We want so much more. You know, I'm sitting down here talking to my granddaughter. She sent me a a picture of what she wants for Christmas. I have to scroll through the text. I'm like, are you serious? She knows what she wants. Do we know what we want? We can have Christ Christ. All the time. So you see the same power that's in the resurrection? That same power that's in the resurrection I just talked about is in the message of the gospel. So when you read the gospel and you read all the great things that Jesus did, and you read all the great things that Paul and and his epistles and everyone else preached to remind us of what Jesus did, that message has just as much power as the resurrection. You just keep bringing it up and up and up, and over, and over again. And you preach that into your life. You preach the word from your born-again spirit. Satan might poke at you a little bit, but he's not getting in. I can guarantee you one thing. If you follow after the word, you get around people with like mindness who speak the word, he's not getting in. If you go back to your old life, your old patterns, your old habits, even if it's just a little bit, he'll get that crack in you, and pretty soon... You prize that crack wide open, and you're wondering, how did I get back here? And I think we could point to one thing it's because you, you compromise just on the little thing. Some people thought I was crazy when I became a Christian because I went from over here to over here, and I said, Mark, you cannot look back because if you look back, you'll go back. Change my music, change my words. And people thought I was a zealot. I was crazy. I was like, absolutely. I'm all of those things. But see, the thing is, is some of you out here today that you keep slipping back. Keep slipping back. Just go for it. Who cares what people say? It's just you and God when it comes right down to it. He sees you as perfect. Quit slipping back into imperfection. If you If you're dealing with addictions and drugs... Don't go back. People will just lead you into the wrong spot. If you feel like you've had a family who's never spoken a good word over in your life, I would say you're not obligated to go back and listen to that stuff. Shut it off. Pray for them. Nobody nobody needs to be told how awful you are when you're not awful. Just because other people have a bad attitude and a bad a bad identity of their own self. doesn't mean they need to heap it on you. So don't believe that stuff. Don't believe it. And don't allow people to speak in your life. You have to be very careful that who you allow to speak into your life. I have a few people that I really allow to speak about. There's three of them sitting on the front row and one of them's back there because I know they'll speak the truth to me. And when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing or I'm not lining up what I'm not lining up with, they'll say, this is is the truth. Especially right here. If if you and your spouse are not speaking the truth to each other, there's going to be a void there that the enemy can come in and try to divide you. Speak the truth over your spouse in love. And if they're not a believer, if they're not feeling or thinking the same way you are, you just keep speaking that into them. They'll come around. Living an example of that right now. Perfect example. The Apostle Paul in the epistles through divine revelation of the Holy Spirit, get this, is speaking spiritual truths that Jesus would have spoke if he was here on earth today. Think about that. If Jesus would have lived forever, what Paul was speaking, those spiritual truths, is what Jesus had planted on him through the person of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. And you know what's even better than that? Because of your divine revelation with the Holy Spirit, you and I can be speaking spiritual truths that Paul could have been speaking and Jesus was speaking. That's all he asked for us. Just speak my words. Yeah, but. Yeah, but what? Just speak the truth over your life. Isaiah 61 10 says, You are robed in righteousness. Covered in his glory. I can't say that enough. Jesus had to be born. So he could die. We talked about that. That's the whole purpose of the Christmas seasons. as we light the candles. in the anticipation of Christ coming. We got the Christmas trees up. And we got everything. It's beautiful. It's a celebration. Of who is coming. It's Jesus. And the express purpose of him coming. Is so that he could go to the cross. So that he can. Go to hell and defeat the enemy, Satan, on his own turf. That he can come back resurrected. So he walked earth in 40 days and he assured those guys, it's me. It's really me. And then he says, don't go anywhere. Because I got to go and go to this place up here. And when, I get, when you get there, I'm going to send you something even better. Ever tell your kids that? If you go to bed right now, you got a few of them, don't you? There'll be something even better tomorrow. Hopefully they go to sleep, right? And Jesus is saying to us, there's something better. The Word is saying, there's something better. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, Jesus purchased our freedom with his blood. That's your past, present, and future sins. The power of Jesus has the ability, it's retroactive, to cover your past sins. If you're dealing with something here today that's really... Weighing heavy on you from 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Fling some blood on that. Throw some blood of Jesus on there. It's retroactive. Covered it. It's not up here anymore. Let it go. There's so many things I don't even want to talk about that, that you can look in the past that you did wrong. And you're like, man, if anyone ever knew about that, I'm sunk. And Jesus says, I know. It's okay. My blood covered that too. You're all right. I got your back, man. He loves us so much. So the things, the things that just would just get us would be appalling to other people, and we all have them. Jesus says, "I took that to the cross. I nailed that to my body." The one thing that keeps cropping up to me is is is, an, is abortion, and the reason why I say that is because people have attached that to women. And that's such a shameful thing. And I'm here to tell you, if, if that's ever been part of your life, whether through yourself or with someone you love, God's forgiven you of that. He's, he loves you. It's no longer a chain, an anchor around your neck. I'm telling, here to tell you today, just to go to him and say, Father God, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace that you can cover me in this as well. He sees you as perfect and whole. He does. There's nothing of shame, guilt, or condemnation that he hasn't taken to the cross. Defeated. Resurrected. You know where Jesus lives right now? Where he's hanging out? He's hanging out in the throne room of God. He's got a little stool there next to you. Maybe a little throne. Maybe I got a stool. Some of you guys got a throne. And it's right next to Jesus. Jesus. And he says, this is where you live. This is where you reside. It's not in your pit. If you're in the pit of hell next time, just look on the wall. There's probably some graffiti that says, Jesus was here. Because he was there. But he's no longer there. He sits on the throne room. And it's his mercy and his grace and his love for you. I'm thankful for that. I'm so fired up right now. I just love the fact what Jesus did for us. Past, present, and future. And I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to go forward when I make mistakes. And I'm going to go forward knowing that how much he loves me. I'm going to close here, Jason. So i got to write just one more thing I want to talk about, and then I'm going to be done. I want to make sure I get it right here. Okay, this is the last thing. The blood will reach into your conscience. You may have lost some battles along the way, and Satan may still be controlling you in some areas from years ago. But by faith, you plead the blood of Jesus over those things, and God will do a mighty work. Plead the blood. Look in Exodus. We see the Israel- You can come on up, Jason. We see the Israeli- Israel- Israelites, and they all needed to- all they needed to do was put some blood on the doorpost, and they were saved from death. So, I say to you right now if there's something going on, slap some blood, plead the blood of Jesus over your part of your life, and watch the angel of death go right on past. Submit to the devil? No, we submit to God, and he will flee. So, here's my last thing everyone is conscious of something. Some people are people conscious. You came to church today, and you're like, I can't believe she has her hair like that. What is she wearing? Some people are self-conscious. They're wondering, I can't believe I wore this, my hair like this, and I can't believe I'm wearing this. They're worried about yourself. Some people are devil-conscious, giving the devil too much credit, giving him more than he's capable of doing. I think we talked about that. Some people are sin-conscious. They only see their sins, and they only see other people's sins, and they, and they don't realize how much God's grace has covered them. And hopefully you're not this category. Some of you are unconscious. You're just here because it's Sunday. We'll pray for you and I'll move on to the next one. But if you and me will live in the the light of faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, we can live God conscious. Faith in God. Faith in the blood. It's one thing to believe in God. Everyone here believes in God. But it's whether you believe God. Whether you have faith in God. That's different. You can either believe in God, which is your starting point, and then you need to believe God and get in line with that. So God conscious means this, that you dear, you dear children are from God and have overcome. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. 1 John 4.4 4. If God is for me, who can be against me? You have to believe that. And the last thing I'm going to say is in 2 Peter one four is be a partaker of his divine nature. So Jesus came to earth as a baby. Thirty years later, he started his ministry. Three and a half years later, he was nailed and crucified to a cross. For three days, while well, he sat in a tomb, we all, everyone thought, what's going on? He went into the depths, it says, into hell. Defeated the Satan on his own turf, in his own backyard. He punked him in his own backyard. And then he was resurrected. And then he was ascended. And now he sits high on the throne. The throne of what? Shame and guilt and condemnation? Or the throne of, throne of grace, mercy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's where he sits. And then we read about, and I didn't get to this, in Acts 2. Where he says, I will send you the Holy Spirit. It says that in Acts 1. And then in Acts 2, Boom. Like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit has dropped on these people. 500 people he talked to, Wyatt, about going to the upper room, and 120 showed up. Do the math. That's about one-fifth of the people. And then from those 120, 3,000 people got saved in one day. Praise God. So as you look up, you say, thank you, Father God, that you are on that seat, that I'm seated next to you. And then you can look down And you can tap dance on the devil's head and say, you know what? You've been defeated. You no longer have authority in my life. You are no longer the God in my life. He is. Amen? Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.